contribution. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Say that word, choose. Okay, you have a choice to make. It's not, no one else can make it for you. You choose life. I mentioned my granddaughter a moment ago in just a moment of opening our heart to share with you what we're praying about right now. She got mixed up with the wrong people early on. Of all of our grandkids, they all love and serve God. She's the one that got somehow trapped in the wrong kind of of network of interpersonal relations. But at the end of the day, and you need to know this, no matter what missteps you may have taken, you may have taken rather, and may have made, you still get to choose I want you to say that I choose my future. Don't you believe that you're a victim? Don't you believe that life is going to make your decisions for you? They're not. And so he said uh, that you choose life that both you and your descendants may live and that you may love the Lord your God, that he may obey his voice. You may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Our theme this year is now we take possession. And and the series I'm in is the process in possessing your promise. And I want to speak this morning from the subject, speak it, pray it, experience it, activating the blessing. Activating the blessing. Father... I ask that you would speak a word to us right now that will be illuminating and life-giving and transformative. And we embrace your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Oh, that was pretty, pretty, pretty lukewarm. Let's shout it out. Amen. There you go. That sounds like inspired church. (laughs) Hallelujah. Have you ever read a book that was made up of short stories with each chapter having been written by a different author? They do that a lot with some books, particularly certain types of books like mystery novels, for example. Mysteries, they will have different stories in one book. I saw one like that on the shelf the other day that a number of writers had joined together with James Patterson to, to write a series of stories. Many people read the Bible that way, like it is a book compiled of stories from different authors, and it's not that way at all. There's only one author of the Bible, and that's God. God spoke to various writers and used them, caused the Bible to be written. Even the chapters are divisions made by translators, not God, translators just to help you find your place of reference, and those chapters are broken down into verses. But you need to understand that in spite of what would look like different chapters with different names, like the book of Jonah or the gospel of Luke, There's really only one divine author. And this is why the Bible goes so seamlessly from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. 
It's why the book of Joshua that we have been studying in takes up so effortlessly from the book of Deuteronomy and where it leaves off. Even though God used Moses to write Deuteronomy and the book of Joshua to write the book that is known by his name. You hardly notice when you flip from one chapter to the next. Of course, Moses, who wrote the book of Deuteronomy and had led Israel for 40 years, had planned for what Israel was about to do next. And after 440 years, 400 years in captivity, 40 in the wilderness, Moses knew that Israel was about to take possession of their promised land. Moses knew the geography of the land and was aware of what they would find there. And like a wise father or perhaps a wise strategist, like a grandmaster of chess, plotting the next move to their strategic advantage, Moses advised Israel what their next steps should be so that they could live forever under the blessing of God that he had spoken over them in covenant. Last week, I emphasized again the difference in a blessing and the blessing. Esau came to Isaac and said, Father, give me a blessing. But there was a little boy named Jacob. He said, I'm not interested in a blessing. I want the blessing. And he didn't give up until he got it. In Deuteronomy 27, and while they were still in the wilderness that was, and were about to cross over, Moses was soon to be carried home to be with God. Moses told the children of Israel that when they came to Canaan, that they were to stop when they came to Mount Ebal and to Mount Gerizim. Now, you go through the first three cities, Gilgal, Jericho, Ai, and then you come to these two mountains. There's a valley that runs between them. The mountains look remarkably similar, with this notable exception. Mount Ebal, the name itself means bald, bald. And there's nothing that grows on it. It's rocky. It's barren. There's nothing there that's productive. There's no greenery, no vegetation. And directly across the little valley, there is a very similar looking mountain called Mount Gerizim. Between the two, there is the valley that is called Shechem. I've been there. And Mount Gerizim is different from Mount Ebal in that it is lush with vegetation. It is covered with, with fruit trees. It is covered with greenery. It is productive. Just across the valley, though, is its mirror image without this greenery and this fruitfulness. And God had them to build an altar. He told Moses, Moses told them, after God had instructed him, have them build an altar on Mount Ebal. Not in the valley, but on Mount Ebal. Not on Gerizim, but on Mount Ebal. And I want you to gather the children of Israel, six tribes here on, at the base of Mount Gerizim, six at the base of Mount Ebal. The Ark of the Covenant will be between them. The six over there near Mount Ebal are standing near the altar that is built on Mount Ebal. There's a reason it was built there. I'll explain it in just a moment. And as you read the words of the covenant of this blessing and the promises that God's made, the people are to shout from one side to the other. And they're to reaffirm this covenant. And as the priest reads each promise, everybody's to shout, Amen. And the other side's going to shout, Amen. And it becomes uh, a symphonic response, Amen, rolling back and forth across the valley. Now, when you move into a new building... You oftentimes encounter a few challenges, and we have, as you come through the doors uh, under the risers here 
uh, that's empty space. They wouldn't even let us keep, we were going to use it for storage, but the fire marshal said no. And so we're now going to have to insulate it because when you come in the doors, you might have noticed that the sound is louder coming in. The reason is those empty spaces actually act like speakers now. And they amplify the sound until you get out on the audience floor and take your seat and then it's comfortable. But right there in the doorways, it's, it's really strong and it resonates and it's amplified. In that same way, Israel divided six tribes here and six here in the valley would have caused an amplification of sound as they began to shout amen back and forth. And the whole region would have heard it because we're talking three and a half million people now. Amen. They're all shouting the same thing. And then they came to the curses and the priest would read them out and Israel would shout amen and the other side would shout amen and a rolling response would go back and forth across that valley till the Canaanites heard them. Amen. Just across the next hill was the Gibeonites. You will read in the very, uh, just a few verses later that the Gibeonites came to deceive Israel. The reason they came partly was what they heard God was doing through Israel. But the rest of it was they heard the shouting when Israel began to shout that I am blessed. And so the priest would say, you're blessed coming in and going out. And the people would shout amen back and forth. It took a whole day to do that. And just across the next mountain, there's the people of, uh, of Gibeon. And they are saying, oh my God, listen to that. I need you to know that sometimes the enemy needs to hear your shout. I wish I could hear an amen right now. Sometimes you got to praise when there doesn't look like anything to praise God for because you need to let the enemy know that blessing is coming your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pointed out last week that in the book of Deuteronomy alone, 288 times, the phrase, the Lord your God is used. Moses uses that phrase, the Lord your God, not the Lord, his God, her God, their God. It's the Lord, my God, amen. And sometimes when you are in the middle of a situation and you are facing circumstances you don't understand, you need to just do this and you can do it right now. Put your hand on your chest and say, the Lord is my God, would you do that? He's not your neighbor's God. He's not your uncle's God. He's not the preacher's God. He's your God. Did you hear what I said? God knows you by name. He knows every hair on your head. He knows you're rising up and you're sitting down. God knows everything you're going to go through. He's the Lord, your God. Amen. At least 26 times in this book, we see the supernatural component referred to. There's a supernatural dimension that is mentioned. That is a beyond a blessing. It is the blessing. So tell your neighbor, I'm choosing the blessing, not a blessing. Would you do that? Blessings come and go, but the blessing, it walks around draped over my shoulders like a coat. Everywhere I go, I'm carrying the blessing. Amen. I'm walking with the blessing of God because I'm in covenant relationship with him. Now you might wonder why that Moses had the people do this. You might wonder, what good did it serve that the people would shout back and forth across that valley? It is because Moses knew something that we need to understand. He understood this, that you activate the promises of God in your life by doing several things. 
activate. You know what that means. You ever go somewhere where there's a black light? We got all kind of lights in here. I mean, if they were to turn all these lights on, you, you would never want to walk in a disco again because you wouldn't need to. Amen. I know it's, disco's old school, but you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Talk about a light show. They could put one on. We've got some, we got some lights in this building. Amen. That we can use for, for certain events and occasions and when we need them. But listen, listen up. There's something called a black light. When you walk in wearing a white shirt or a lady has on a white blouse or a dress or you have white jeans on, have you ever walked into a room with a black light and it makes that white pop? It goes pow. I mean, it stands out. No other color does that. But if it's white, mm, now I could preach about that a little while. Because if your spirit has been washed in the blood of Jesus and you are as white as snow, I want you to know there's something that can make your, your anointing be activated. It can, it can cause something to pop in your life. I'm not talking about people that are perfect because there are no perfect people. But when you, your life is covered by the blood of Jesus, you've got a right to expect an active, activation of your gifts and your anointings. And this is what Moses understood. He understood that whenever you shout this back and forth, there's actually an activation process. Now let me talk to you about that quickly. There are seven dimensions of activation. Seven dimensions. I teach this a lot, minister training overseas. Number one, there are the assistances to activation. Hunger, prayer and fasting, the laying on of hands, worship. All of these will assist in activating. If you don't do these things, you can have uh, brother wonderful and sister so-and-so laying hands on you. And uh, you know, the, uh, you know the, the, the great prophet and everybody else and nothing's going to happen. So there are assistances to activation. Turn to somebody and say, I need all the help I can get. Would you do that? Amen. And then number two, there are places of activation. There really are. There are places where you go where there is a breakthrough that has already occurred. And you step into that and it changes the atmosphere in your life. The Old Testament era, there were places where God met with men. One of those Jacob stumbled on in Genesis 28. And he said, I didn't even know the Lord was in this place. And he laid down and went to sleep. And what happened that night transformed his life because he got in a place of activation. I, I went to South Africa last year and did a conference in May. And uh, in that conference, I got under a flow. I mean, I got under a flow. And it continued for weeks. In five weeks after that, I outlined and wrote out 85 sermons, 84 sermon series. 84. Now, to show you what that means in terms of, of, of preparing a series... I've already done, I think, four series this year. I'm in my fifth right now, if I'm not mistaken. And look, half the year is gone. For me to do 84 series, I'm going to have to live to be 137. But I got under a spout and God opened up heaven over me. I mean, I got in the middle of a flow. You don't know what you may have happening to you as you walked in this building this morning. Because Inspire Church is a place of activation. Somebody give God some praise right now. Not only are there assistances to activation, in places of activation, there are people who have the ability to activate your gift. For example, Samuel activated the anointings of Saul and David. 
First Samuel chapter 10, there were prophets that met Saul. Saul was not a prophet. And yet when he got in that atmosphere, it activated something in him. And he began to prophesy. Uh, many of you know Lloyd Bustard. And he's one of my very dear friends. Lloyd has an incredible gift. We have a lady named, named Joy. She comes to the 9 o'clock service. She is a cardiac nurse. The last time jo, uh, Rob, uh, Lloyd was with us, sorry, Joy was sitting behind me. And he stopped in the middle of his sermon. And he said, Joy, where are you? Stand up. A lady right over here named Joyce thought he said, Joyce. I'm not making this up. And she was just, she got so excited. She was beside herself. She had had an ailment for over 30 years and was on medication for it. And she got healed in that moment. He didn't say Joyce. He said joy. But when the air is filled with a breakthrough anointing, you can reach up and get what you need from God. You need to be in a place. Of activation. Oh, somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Give God a praise break right now. Because when you feel the atmosphere with praise, anything can happen. Amen. And Lloyd was with us. And he kept on. Joy, where are you? Joy, as I mentioned, is a cardiac nurse. She was sitting behind me. She had just turned to her husband, Austin, and said, Austin, I'm having a heart attack. Call 911. And I figure if anybody ought to know what a heart attack is, it's a lady that works the cardiac floor, right? And so he was getting ready to call 911. And the third time that Lloyd called her name, it got through to her and he said, Stand up. And she stood up and he looked at her and said, You're healed. She told me two weeks later with tears running down her face. She was weeping this morning. She said, Pastor, that was me. And she said, When I stood up, the hardest heart attack stopped. I was healed at that very moment. Give God some praise right now. But you see, Lloyd got that from somebody else. Years ago, I had someone named Freddie Clark come here. I picked Freddie Clark up on a Sunday morning at the airport. He had never preached in our church before. We were small then, just a very small congregation. And Freddie showed up and he kept preaching and he would walk over to a, a lady sitting right over here and she was very elderly. And he would stop it and say, ma'am, do you know anybody named Davis? Because the Holy Spirit tells me you're close to somebody named Davis that you need to be praying for. First time she said, I don't know anybody named Davis. He just, he went on. He came back and said, ma'am, the Holy Spirit keeps telling me you're very close to somebody named Davis. You need to be praying for. And she said, I told you, I don't know anybody named Davis. So he was completely unperturbed, went on and preached a few minutes and came back the third time and said, ma'am, he said, the Holy Spirit tells me you're very close to somebody named Davis that you need to be praying for. And she got a little testy. I done told you, I don't know anybody named Davis. Amen. Just kind of like that. And he was completely unshaken. He just stopped and said, anybody in this area named Davis, the guy right next to her. Now, I knew who he was, but nobody else did. He was having a problem in his marriage, and he was having personal issues. And when he, Freddie turned and looked and said, is there anybody in this area? I'm telling you, he was sitting this close to that woman. And she didn't know who he was. I knew because I knew him. And when Freddie said, anybody in this area named Davis? He went... 
And Freddie said, stand up. And he stood up. And he said, does the name Bill Davis mean anything to you? And that was that guy's name, Bill Davis. Freddie never could have known that. He had just flown in. I had picked him up at the airport just before the service that morning. That's who Lloyd used to travel and play the organ for. You see, there are people that can activate your gifts. Somebody shout hallelujah. There are seasons of activation. Saul came into his season. Elijah came into his season. Number five, there are processes of activation. We always want to get there right now. We don't want to go through the process, but everything in the kingdom is involved in a process. It's always about a process. The process of the oil, the process of refining gold, the process of, of, of wheat. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Everything in the kingdom is about processes. Look at somebody and say, don't rush the process. Would you do that right now? I, I need to say that again. Don't, I feel that in my spirit. Don't rush the process. Let God do what he's trying to do inside of you. Come on, let God do what he's trying to do inside of you. God is at work in your life right now. Give him praise, everybody. The process for Lloyd was to travel with Freddie and serve him. With Elijah, it was to pour water on the hands of Elijah. It doesn't look like it's going to make you into a powerful man of God for the hour full of power. But it did because it's part of the process. Then there are dimensions of activation. Some people have, I've known of people have an ability to pray for healing of certain things, but not of others. And I've known folks that question that and say, it must not be God. If it was really God, you could pray for anything and it'd be healed. No, because for some reason, that man or that woman's faith had been developed to believe for particular things. And they could believe for that. There are different dimensions of activation. I wish I could hear somebody say yes. The Bible said we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Hello. There are different dimensions of anointing. David was anointed three times. The first time he was anointed, he could kill the bear and the lion. The second time he became king of Israel. The third time he became king of the United Tribes of Israel and Judah. You have different anointings in your life. There are different dimensions of wealth. For example, Esau told Jacob when he met him after all those years, Jacob tried to give him a gift and, and Esau said, I don't need that, my brother, I've got enough. <laughs> That's one level of wealth. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Do you hear me? I, I believe that God is releasing a breakthrough in this house this morning. Somebody's getting ready to get the anointing of I've got enough. No more struggle. I've got enough. I need somebody to claim that. I've got enough. I've got enough. I'm not living from, from need to need. I've got enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But then there was a level beyond just having enough. There was, there was Abraham's level. There was Job's level. They had wealth at a Jeff Bezos level or a Bill Gates level. Look at Ruth. Ruth gleaned the field of Boaz and didn't even realize it was a, a relative of her deceased husband. Naomi was back home. And when the, the reapers would drop a few grains, they were not allowed by the law of God to pick them up. You leave them for the poor. And the poor would come and there was grounds for these few little kernels of grain. 
And Ruth went home to Naomi that night with a little pathetic handful that gave them just enough to bake, enough to uh, bread to be able to make it through the day. And, and Naomi, just in conversation, said, who did you... Uh, uh, glean in the field today of and she said well a guy named Boaz and said well he's a near kinsman and so the next day Ruth went back to that field and by now Boaz had said I have seen you he was not married and Ruth was newly widowed and there was chemistry kind of like when my wife walked into the building I got saved in a, a meeting in Lake Charles Louisiana and I was playing the, the guitar and then she walked and I said well 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 what do we have here <laughs> you know what I mean amen and that was that was a long long time ago Boaz had caught Ruth's eye and Ruth was looking at Boaz and Boaz instructed his men. He said, you leave handfuls on purpose. Don't just let the grain stay on the ground that fell. I want you to reach into the basket and set some for her. So the first level is you're barely getting by. Second level is handfuls on purpose. Hello, somebody. The third level, she married the man that owned the field. She was now an owner of the business. I'm prophesying to somebody in the house. God is getting ready to shift you to another level. Woo! I've got to quit. My time is gone. The seventh level of activation or dimension of activation is there are intensities of activation. Saul only received a light application when he encountered the prophets. He began to prophesy, but he didn't stay with them long enough and it didn't catch. You got to stay in it long enough that it changes you. Mm. You got to get soaked in it. I want to get so full of it that when I walk down the street, I slosh. You know what I mean? I leave, I leave wet footprints on the sidewalk filled with the anointing. You just touch my footprint and you hear what I'm talking about? I can figuratively, but you understand what I'm saying. Amen. Get soaked in it. Isaiah was so profoundly impacted in Isaiah 6 that it changed his life and his ministry for the rest of his days. Jacob wrestled with an angelic theophany and it was so impacting they changed his name from Jacob, which means heel grabber to Israel, which means prince. Saul was so permanently impacted by his encounter with God on the road to Damascus that they had to change his name from Saul to Paul. I want the kind of an encounter with God that it changes me so completely. They say, that's a different man walking down that aisle right there. Hallelujah to the lamb. Now, what activated the covenantal promises of God that God had made was when Israel stood on either side of that valley. They did three things. They had to say it, they had to pray it, and then they had to experience it. Now, let, let me just wrap this up because my time is gone. And the Bible says first they were required to speak it. Moses specifically said, you have got to respond. You've got to speak this promise. Amen means it's so. So when the prophet would say that, you know, I'm going to be blessed coming in and going out. That was the, the prophetic declaration from the covenant. The people had to say about themselves, it is so. I'm going to be blessed coming in and going out. I'm going to be blessed when I sit down and when I stand up. I'm going to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. And Oh, somebody help me because I do feel my anointing working right now. 
Amen. Enemy's going to come against me one way and flee seven ways. I've got such a, an aura of protection. I'm living in spiritual immunity. The enemy can't lay a glove on me. Amen. No matter what he tries, it's not going to work. They had to say it. Second thing they had to do is they also had to say the curses. Now, that's the strange part. Because everybody can understand saying amen to the blessings, but they had to say amen to the cursings. Here is why. Because there's some things you've got to speak life to, but there's other things you've got to speak death to. Oh, I'm talking right now better than you are responding. Somebody give God some praise. These passages tell us as I wrap up, they tell us three things. Not even God can bless you when you don't speak life to what you want to live. You can't have God speaking life over you if you're not speaking life yourself. But that's not all it says. Not even God can curse what you won't curse in your life. Ah, you, And the third thing it tells us is you have to have the discernment to know the difference between the two. You need to know what needs to live and you need to know what needs to die. Some of us are making things live that ought to die and we're making things die that ought to live. God, help us and give us a download of Holy Spirit information and wisdom that we can speak life to what we ought to speak life to, but death to what we ought to speak death to. So the first thing they needed to do was they needed to say it. The second thing they needed to do was pray it. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, I say to you what... Ever things you ask when you pray. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Say pray. Would you do that? Pray. Come on. Pray. Pray. There's some stuff you need God's help over. The Lord your God wants to do mighty things in your life. If you will pray, God will do incredible things for you. Amen. Ask and it will be given. And James was even more clear and direct in his assessment. He said, you do not have because you do not ask. So all of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And now then, I want you to see this. Then they had to commit to living it. And so I told you I was going to tell you what that altar on Mount Ebal represented. Why wasn't it in the middle of the valley by the Ark of the Covenant? Because that was the manifest presence of God in the middle of the valley. Over here is the Mount of Blessing. Over here is the Mount of Cursing. One is beautiful and fruitful and covered with with luscious greenness. The other is bald and ugly and dead and sterile. It is denuded and devoid of life. And right on that mountain, there's an altar. Why in the world are you going to put an altar on a mountain that is dead? I'm going to tell you why. Because those mountains represent your climb. You're either climbing one mountain or you are climbing the other. You're either climbing toward blessing or you're climbing toward the pain and trouble in your life. Which one of those two mountains have you leaned your ladder against? If you leaned your ladder against this one over here, you're going to need an altar. I can tell you that because you're going to have to pray yourself out of a whole lot of stuff. And that's why God put the altar over there. I want to live my life in such a way. Hello, somebody. I don't have to pray myself out of every scrape that comes along because I've leaned my ladder against the wall where I'm climbing toward blessing. 
Now I need somebody to do this and I am done. I want you to stand with me and say, I'm making my way toward greater blessings. Would you do that? I'm moving toward blessings. What I mean by that? I mean 30 days from now. Mm, Do I feel the Holy Ghost in this room? I'm going to have a breakthrough that I don't have right now. That is a word from God for somebody in this house. I felt it go down my body like electricity. Somebody's going to have a breakthrough in the next 30 days. Your life is not even going to look the same anymore. Woo! And 12 months from now, you're not going to be calling me Jacob. You're going to be calling me Israel, Prince. You're not going to be calling me Saul. You're going to be calling me Paul. Because I'm going to be so blessed by God. It's going to change everything about me. Because I'm in covenant with God and I'm activating my blessing. And you need to say that over your family every day. You need to bless them. You need to bless your kids. Speak blessings. Speak life. There's some people, all they do is find the problems and that's all they want to talk about. If that's how you parent, if that's the way you lead your family, all you talk about is problems, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have problems. Because what you speak is going to give life. Come on, help me out. You need to look at that child that's in trouble and say in the name of Jesus, I call out of you every gift that God placed in you. You're anointed, you're mighty, you have a destiny, you have a future. And you need to curse everything that the enemy is trying to get started. The altar is open. I want our prayer counselors to come right now. Forgive us that we went a few minutes over today over the additional things and and the Holy Spirit moving earlier in the service. I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, stop the service and shut it down. There's no way that I could. We have to give God room to work. Prayer counselors are coming. And if you're visiting with us today, this is what we always do. We ask everybody to come forward that will. Would you please come and join us right now? Even if you're visiting. You know why? I like to pray and speak a blessing over people's lives before they leave. If you need a blessing, come. You need to leave this place today with God smiling on your family. Come and draw close. Move in. Move in close. We're going to pray for you. I want to say this as you come. If you're visiting with us today, please listen. You're visiting with us today. When this service ends in a conference room right in the direction I'm pointing, I'm going to be meeting with our guests who are here for the first time. I would love it if you would come and join with us right over there. Ask anybody you walk out. Ask any of the ushers, the hostesses, the greeters. And say, where's that conference room? All you do is walk out these doors and go straight to the left. And right down there at the glass doors on the left, someone will be there waiting for you. I want to meet you, get to know you. I, 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 my office is back on this side. I've been fussing because I, at the old place, I got to meet everybody every Sunday coming out because my office was right by the entrance. I want to meet you and get to know you. We're so glad that you're here. But I want to ask you a question. How many need God to breathe some life into some things in your life? Could I see your hand? You need God to breathe life. Breathe life. 
you're struggling right now with some issues. You need God to breathe life. How many of you need God to curse some things? Be honest. There's some doors that ought to be shut. There's some temptations that need to be destroyed and taken away. There's an enemy that needs to be stopped. Stopped, halted in his tracks. God, I feel that. I feel that. In the name of Jesus, Father, I curse the enemy. I curse his efforts. I command doors to be closed that are open that shouldn't be open. Satan, you're a liar. I need somebody to say amen. I said, Satan, you're a liar. Do what Israel did. Say amen. Satan is a liar. I speak life. I need somebody to shout amen. Hallelujah. With our heads bowed right now, there's such a presence of God in this room. Such a powerful presence of the Lord. If you're here today and you need God in your life, would you slip up your hand right where you are so I can pray for you? Slip up your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need God. God bless you. Hands going up all over this altar. Surrender your heart to him. If you've never given him your heart, do it right now. Say, Father, enter my life, my heart. I repent of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Write my name in the book of life. Let me forever be transformed by the power of God. Save me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. If you prayed that prayer, I hope you'll be one of those that will join us in the conference room that I just mentioned a moment ago. But now how many need a breakthrough in your life? Could I see your hand? You see, when God leads me to teach on a series like this, I already know what the outcome is. I know what the need is. I know what the need is. And look at the hands that are, that are demonstrating what I've been preaching about. Pastor, I need a breakthrough. Raise that hand. Keep it high. I need a breakthrough. That could be in your marriage. It could be in your family. It could be on your job. It could be in your business. It could be in your finances. It could be in your ministry. It could be in some vital area of your life. It could even be your health. But we're going to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a breakthrough to come. I pray for a breakthrough to come, Lord. Lord, I pray for a breakthrough that will will cause the enemy's grip on somebody's life to be shaken free. I pray for a breakthrough that will cause doors to close that, that are open that shouldn't be open. I pray for a breakthrough that will cause glory to come that the enemy is trying to hold back. Lord, I pray for a breakthrough that will cause the floodgates of heaven to open over somebody's life. It's so near. i got a feeling right now, Lord, it's just about to happen. Come on, child of God, pray with me. Somebody's right on the verge of a breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Hallelujah. I feel such an anointing in this place. I want you to I want you to pray Deuteronomy 28 with me. And we're only going to pray a few verses because I've gone over my time with everything else that's happened in the service this morning. But I want you to go to the website and I want you to find this message. It'll be there by this afternoon, late. 
and you pull up the notes and you learn to pray Deuteronomy 28 it's one of the most powerful prayers you will ever pray you say why pray the scripture why we're not supposed to just read it listen to 1 John 5 14 15 now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything say it with me anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that what we have that we have the petitions that we have asked of him why pray the word of god you're praying the pure will of god for your life and you can know there's some things that you pray you don't know if he heard you or not amen But when you pray the word of God for your life, you know he's heard you. And the Bible said you know you will receive what you have asked because you're praying the perfect will of God. Now watch this. Deuteronomy 28. Say this with me. Lord, today I will listen diligently and pay attention to your voice. For you are the Lord my God. By your grace, I am watchful to do all of your commandments, which you command me this day. Oh, this is so powerful. Thank you, my Lord and my God. There's something happening in this room right now. I want you to lift your hands and say, thank you, my Lord and my God. You're setting me high above all the people of the earth. Look at your neighbor and just do this. Watch this. He's setting you high. Speak that to your neighbor. He's setting you high. He's setting me high above all the people of the earth. Give God some praise right now. All of these blessings are coming upon me and overtaking me because I heed your voice, my Lord and my God. I am blessed in the city, blessed in the field. All that I produce is blessed and will both increase and multiply. From my family to any investment of my time, money or effort, because of you, my Lord, I will always have plenty and will not need to worry about whether my needs will be met because you are my provider and my source. I'm blessed when I come in and I'm blessed when I go out. You, Lord, are causing my enemies who rise up against me to be defeated before my face. They may come out against me one way in unity, but they will flee before me seven ways, divided and confused. Somebody give God some praise in this house. Somebody give God some praise in this house. You know what? I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to stop. 
has nothing to do with time. I'm going to stop so you'll have to go to the website and learn how to pray it yourself. Amen. I love you. I bless you. Father, I speak life over every person in this room. Shout these words out loud today. I declare I am a child of God. This will be the most blessed week of my life that I've ever lived. I am anointed. I am blessed. And I am inspired. I love you. See you next Sunday. God bless you in Jesus' name.